Hi, I'm Martina McBride. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories. But you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart, and this podcast is not suitable for children. But then, neither is the music business. (laughs) So light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. So we're here with Michael Campbell, one of our closest friends. Been our friend, it's been my friend for 30 years and worked with us in various locations. When we had Girls in the Hood over uh, next to Warner Brothers. Well, we first started in the Gray Building. Yeah, well, we first that's started, what I'm talking about. Well, but we started our relationship with Michael when he was managing Ricky Van Shelton. Right. Well, right. I met Michael before that. I met Michael when Joanne was working with Ricky Van Shelton and I was at Network Inc. And he was friendly with Wes, who thought that I was an ex-con. Because? Because I was. You were. And so and I met Michael. Yeah, at there. And then we then we shared offices for oh my god how many years? Oh, Different. We years. moved all over. We've had offices everywhere on Music <laughs> Row. God. We went. We went to, that, what did I have? Like seven buildings? Probably. <laughs> and probably. then when we went to Bandit, Michael came over and worked with us and worked with us yeah, there. Up there, but we had the one building that's great building, this beautiful building, thirteen thirteen. On 17th or 16th, whatever it was. Right next to where the and restaurant Susan was. And Susan and I had offices upstairs. And Susan had a little dog named Jolie. Named after my attorney, Joel Katz. After his attorney, Joel Katz. And so, Jolie didn't use a pad. He used like... She. The, she would use the conference room. So when you'd go in to have a meeting, you would say, excuse me, let me just get this. And then like, you'd just go anywhere. And so Susan, there was, my, there was me, Susan, and uh, uh, Todd, who was working for me at the time. Upstairs. And Stanford. And, and Stanford, yeah. But, did but, our radio somehow. But not, but he wasn't upstairs. And Susan said, well, that's not Jolie. Jolie doesn't do that. I said, Susan, let me tell you what. Unless, I, I know I didn't do it. I've never had a problem with Todd at the house doing it. So unless you just went and took a dump <laughs> but underneath Stan dropped coffee there. a lot. Yeah, well, that had nothing to do with a big pile. <laughs> oh, he, Jolie didn't leave piles all oh, over the please. office. Oh, my God. I remember at Asylum once we were having <laughs> so, so, a big heavy-duty meeting so, in the conference so, so, room with, with, radio, with radio people <laughs> that were going around when they they all merged Thrasher into the and big driver. And Jolie pooped under the oh, table. He does. And she goes, that, no, she didn't, she didn't do that. No, well, really? did that. Stand, stand, stand. stand. That's right. I wanted Damn. to end that meeting so quickly uh, and get those people out of that room. Well, it wasn't hard knew. because, you know, oh, that was always No, funny. no one thought it was yours. No, you know, it's so funny. Susan goes, well, he didn't do that. I said, well, she, unless, she. She, unless, unless you just did it, then the dog did it. I'm pretty well, sure of it. She didn't do it at Bandit. I didn't have her at Bandit. I had Jack, and he never did anything in the office. But who did was Fran Galante's parents had a little dog named Munchkin. I remember Munchkin. Remember, I, and I babysat Munchkin when they went to China long before the coronavirus. And they went over there, and Munchkin would come into the office, and she, she had separation anxiety, too. And she would go into Michael's office. Oh, yeah, that's right. And pee. I forgot about that, we, yes. I forgot about that. But the, but the Schwartzes, Fran's parents, denied that Munchkin ever did anything in the house. 
Well, maybe she didn't in their house, but she did she in our did office. In she house. did in my house, too. Yeah. So we just rub Susan's nose and throw her I mean, out. But when I had Jack, he never did anything. He was the perfect dog. Jack would always go over and sit under Evelyn's desk. And Jolie, however, was really into George. And she, when George came in and he wore his Bermudas and he wore his shoes with no socks, she would always <laughs> run over and start licking his legs. And he would want to kick her and he'd go, Joel, Joel, because he knew that she was named after Joel Katz. Remember? Joel, stop it. Do the voice, Michael. Oh, damn now. Stop <laughs> doing that. I can't do that no more. Michael had... Before he managed Ricky Van Shelton, he was working at the label, which was then called CBS, CBS and Records. Sony, yeah. He was an intern. Yep. And uh, he got to work with George and Willie and Tammy and got to know all the characters Burn. really well. And when we, when we all started hanging out, we all knew the same people yeah. and it sort of overlapped. And Michael could always imitate anybody. And Michael's a really good singer. So somehow or another... He could imitate George singing, and George being kind of lazy as he was a lot of times about preparing for a session, we would say, Michael, go and sing it to George. Show him how yeah. to sing it. We're doing a gospel <laughs> record. And they Which go. Billy Sherrill came out right. of retirement. retirement. And Billy yeah. Sherrill adored Michael. So Billy and Michael had a you know a great rapport, just so nobody thinks that you were stepping on his toes. Oh, no. So, But Susan, Nancy and Evelyn, Susan come and say, he's not bending those notes. He's not doing the George thing. Go in there and tell him how to do that. And I said, I'm not going in that room and telling George how to say. <laughs> but meanwhile, so, he did. Well, after you guys kept going. So I went and I said, hey, George, they, they were just listening out there. To you, you, you might want to just, you know, do your, you know, just like the notes, kind of bend them a little bit. He said, who wants them goddamn notes bend And I said, well, you know. Everyone. I said, you know, Nancy and, and, and Billy and, and Susan. No, Billy didn't care. It said, George said, oh, go on, damn, if they think they can do it so well and I'm going to go home, they can do this damn record, and I'll just see them when it's all done then. And I thought, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> well, then then they left said, you need to just go back in there and tell them. I said, I'm not going back in there and tell them that thing. Well, then George said, Michael, come in here a minute. And he goes, how does that how does that melody go right there? And I'm thinking, Amazing Grace? Well, the same way it's gone. <laughs> he never you know. could remember anything. <laughs> Did you know, we have a teleprompter for that record? Yes, uh, of course we had teleprompters. Well, teleprompters. And, you know, yeah. he had lyrics, lyrics right was, there. But, yeah. But he did it. He finally kind of, he said, well, you don't do that if you ever go to church. They don't do that kind of thing as... As for bars and concerts. And I That's thought, true. Oh. That's exactly what he said. When he we did. asked him, why aren't you singing like, you know, we expected you to. And he was like, you don't do that in church. He said, that's for bars and concerts. Yeah, like he went to church so much. And the thing is that George. <laughs> he did probably when he was a kid. No, I know. But he didn't go to church at all. And, you know, he didn't know the Bible. He didn't know nothing. And so, you know, he didn't want to sing like a, they, they don't sing that way in church, he would say. Like, who well, cares? Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. It but, is. you know, it was the first real total uh, gospel album George had ever done. Yeah, he'd right. only ever done tracks songs, before yeah. songs. Yeah. And it was a big thing for and, the fans. And it brought Billy Sherrill out of retirement, which was, you know, I knew him a little bit because he was always involved with George and Tammy, you know, socially. But uh, 
to get to know him better on the making of that record. And then, you know... Remember, we had we, to find all those really weird, obscure songs that George wanted to sing. Yeah, they were called... They were called... called they were called classics. <laughs> well... <laughs> they were weird. The Jew, for the Jewish... The for the Jew from... Yeah, from the Jew from Pittsburgh, they were, they were kind of weird. Susan goes, where are these songs? Who would know these songs? I said, well, every... Everybody down here actually knows But I think he picked some weird ones. He didn't pick well-known ones except Amazing Grace. No, it, no, they no actually, they were pretty much all. I mean, there were some kind of out there ones, but like Family Bible that Willie wrote, wrote he, that one. And um, George had this thing with, like the, the, the Grand Ole Opry stage, the Ryman Auditorium stage was sacred. And when we did oh the, God, Highwaymen, the Highwaymen song, we that did the, the Highwaymen no, well, song. Well, that was because we they were doing a tribute to Willie, right? And it was at the, at the Ryman, right? And uh, they were do they had everyone was still alive then was Waylon wasn't no, alive. No, Johnny no, Cash Johnny. was going to do the, or the, the I'm a damn builder. Whoever did that line? Yeah, maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe George Johnny is going to do. It. I think George was Johnny was, Cash was. Had died. That's what I'm saying. And it he was, was it was Waylon, Waylon had died. Willie, Chris, and George. And George. No, Waylon was still alive. Still. I don't think so because was Waylon it? had half of his leg oh, taken no, off. Oh no, it was like I think that uh, Hank Jr. Yeah, was Hank Jr. Jr. Okay. was there. Or so was it George Bird? and Hank Jr. filled in for the yeah. two dead ones, Johnny and Waylon. <laughs> two dead ones. <laughs> and Chris and Willie were there. <laughs> we have such respect. I know, and we would try to get George to sing I'm well, a Dam Builder, and he wouldn't say he wouldn't. damn. He said, I'm a Dam Builder, and it would be dead dead silence. They'd go, uh, cut, <laughs> George, that's your line. Come in there. Do it again. Nothing. Say, well, I ain't doing that. I'm not saying damn on the stage is a goddamn grand old opera. I ain't doing it. Or the, the rhyming, that. it's sacred ground. And so we're like, so he goes, he gets in the bus. So they all go out there. Everybody Christopherson was flipped because trying to explain to him yeah, yeah. the dam was yeah. a structure. Yeah. It wasn't the word. I mean, dam. we spelled it. We went and spelled it. And he looked at us I, like, I don't give a shit. What Christopherson said, he came out and he said, How is it that I'm with the world's greatest living country singer and he won't sing damn? He wouldn't. He, <laughs> he refused. Wouldn't and we finally thought, okay. So I came back out of the bus. He goes, I ain't saying that word. You better change that word. I said, What do you want to change it to? I <laughs> It's like what? What's going to fill in for damn? I mean, I, you, I don't know. I'm going to build a fence. I don't know what you guys going to say. I don't know what you can fill in there. He didn't sing yeah. anything. When they would get to him, he would go and I'm a and builder. Then finally, and then finally, Chris Christopherson he, he jumped did. in. No, he yeah. never did. And then Chris just went ahead and did the line. And I'm, they didn't just, do it for the show. Up. Uh, it was one of the. It was one of the. And for funniest. a guy who was so profane and was, you know, didn't really respect anything, to not sing "damn" it was like a joke. He just wouldn't. We even spelled it. It's like D A M. N. No N. No N. There's no N. And he goes, oh, no N. I, he I didn't know it. that anyhow. So I ain't I mean. singing it on there. I don't care what words are in it. I don't care what letters are in it. it ain't gonna do the damn thing. Like, and right. no one could believe it, and we couldn't believe it either. And that was the, the you know, the deal of working what? with George. What about the time we went to? So we drove down to Memphis, got in the bus, went to Memphis. Oh, we're oh, going to do the recording session. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Lee, Lewis. Lee Lewis. These two got him in to do this thing with Jerry Lee Lewis. We thought, oh, let's go down. So George and I, Nancy. To Sun Studios. Sun Studios is going to be great. And George wasn't, he wasn't exactly excited about it. Well, he was excited about it at first. But he then driving down there. He was excited to go to Memphis. He, was, then, he yeah. never recorded at the Sun, Sun Studios. Studios. So he was, you know, but then we get there and here comes 
And George can't, couldn't always hear the best. I mean, he could hear, but not, you know, wasn't always the best. And here comes Jerry, Jerry Lee, Lee. But he didn't have his, his teeth in. Not his teeth. And they had his flip-flops on, and he was there. And he comes in and says, oh, Judge Rules. You couldn't cool. understand a word that either and one I of them was saying. And I thought, he can't speak. George can't, <laughs> can't hear. hear. We are going to be here all night long. And so, and then George would answer him. I thought, how does he understand what he just said? And then within one minute, oh Jerry Lee put in his teeth, George put in his hearing aid, and boom, it came out. It was out amazing. Fantastic. It was a great session. And they were like talking, you know, talking to him. Who wrote that song? I don't remember, but George, when George would be around other artists, like, I don't know if lazy, but he just would kind of call it in because they've done it so long. Man, did it 60 years. But when he got around somebody else, Wow, he was like, man. Once Jerry Lee hit that piano and did his verse, George just like, yeah. man, he came just rose to, life. to the occasion. He did, he and did that was not. always the good thing because you know George's taste and you know artist was also very high, and he respected Jerry Lee. Yeah, so if well, he who was doesn't? In, yeah, but you know he rose to the occasion. Although <laughs> how that relates back to the highwaymen, that didn't work. <laughs> well, let's talk about Michael with us at the office. When we did the Spanish album with Raul that we've talked about extensively with poor Raul, and, you know, we had all the song books and all the CDs and everything, and Michael's friend Mitzi came in to help us to address the uh, packages because we had so many We had a lot of orders. We had a lot of orders. We were big. We were really big. We were big. the first, really, we were the first Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Not really Amazon, that's a big river. We're more like a tributary. But we could have been Amazon had things worked out. Had things worked out, and we really thought we were going to do great. And Michael and I got so carried away, and I was smoking my brains out, that we started to drive around Berry Hill looking for warehouse space because we thought we were going to sell so many. And what did it have to have? A dog. A loading dog. <laughs> a dog. A loading dog. <laughs> we had to be able to get a truck. <laughs> there. <laughs> you know. That's right. And we had a dolly. Remember, we bought oh, a dolly yes. for yes. the office. We had a dolly. And where our loading dock ended up was in our garage, where, you know, a lot of these big companies started in garages. You know, Microsoft, all that different well, things. Well, Bill Gates and everybody yeah. started in garages. So we were in and a we garage. thought, fuck, we're, we're right in line here. But we knew, we saw this snakeskin. I mean, a big snakeskin. <laughs> and we're like, we're not going there. Susan goes, I know. I've heard that mothballs keep snakes away. So we went and bought <laughs> mothballs. Right. We, it looked like snow. Have you ever smelled mothballs? Like a lot of mothballs at one time? Well, let me just tell you something. <laughs> we came in Monday. This was Friday. We came in Monday, and our office smelled so bad of mothballs. Susan got sick. She literally had to leave. We're like, this is awful. So we had to go get all these mothballs out. Well, we, <laughs> we had thrown them in every corner. Which there were snakes. There we were snakes convinced in every corner. that there were snakes in these corners. So it took us forever to get all this stuff out. It was. Uh, we had a garage that was packed to the gills with CDs. Oh. I mean, we had so many boxes oh. of CDs. I mean, different Unsold. artists. All of our all of our asylum CDs. We had the trio. We had Western Wall. We had John Randall. We had Shalit Dennison. So we had tons of furniture and, and stuff uh, and everything loaded into this garage that had a dirt floor and a lot of snakes and things that came into it. And like it was just... Lived in it. Uh, we, nobody wanted to go in there to get anything. Nothing. <laughs> you opened that door and you waited. <laughs> you, you waited sure. to see if you any didn't snakes see anything came moved. out. 
want to make sure nothing was, and it was all on pallets. So we were convinced that underneath all those pallets were snakes. I remember something. We, oh, and we got a new toilet in that office. Oh. And when the guy came to, you know, take Install off the it. old toilet and put in the new toilet, it was like a whole snake nest down there. Yeah. He lifted off the linoleum. <laughs> And there were like 50 snakes under there. It was awful. Snake skins, yeah. yeah. No, there were snakes. You no. weren't in there. No, we didn't have 50 snakes. Well, I don't remember. I, and then I another don't... guy, a client, came to the office one day, and the garage door was open. We must have been airing or something. And he captured a snake in his hand. Yes. I know. Yes. He did. He grabbed the snake in his hand. And it was hand. about five it. or six feet long. Uh, and Michael almost had a breakdown. Michael I don't like snakes. Flew I out of the office. I, you know, people say, oh, snake's afraid of you. Or, and I'm like, yeah, well, the snake's never looked at me, said, oh, shit, and passed out. So <laughs> don't, I, don't, I don't buy that theory. I hated that. And then Susan, remember, then he couldn't put the toilet in. Yeah. Blueberry had to leave it open. Yeah. Like, and I leave go. it open. Well, you went and took a nap because you were not feeling well. Then that was I during used your... to take naps on the floor in the office. And Kyle Lenning had been the head of asylum before I was there. And he had had a Roger, not a Roger Ames, an Eames chair that I used to use to sleep in at the office. Well, the minute we saw those snakes, I never took another nap oh, at the God. office. But I remember with the CDs were going to be like nothing. I remember when CDs... When the when it, things started, because one of my jobs at CBS was taking two tracks, take them over to get them cleaned up for four hundred dollars from from uh, custom mastering, and then I'd send it to New York, and they'd make this thing called a CD, and it would sell. wasn't going to sell that much. The only people that were really selling at that time when I first started was um, Rodney Crow and Roseanne Cash. That was it. That That's was, right. I remember that. Was it. that. So when Ricky Van hit, and we were renegotiating, I said, I told our attorney, I said, you know what, I want. I think the CD thing's going to take off. I said, the problem was there wasn't much hardware. It was really expensive. It was like $600 for a CD player. And the remote was that, remember, you used to have to plug that damn cord in. You had a cord. Yeah. And I said, when it gets to a certain percentage of total sales, I want the royalty rate to revert back to the higher rate. And they're like, oh, why would you do that? This thing, CDs are never going to take off. You're crazy to do that. And I said, well, and even, I had Yatnikoff even called and said, what do you want this for? And I said, well, if it's if you're not well, then what are you worried about? If you don't think they're going to sell, why do you care? If, I mean, if they're not going to sell, he's still alive. Don't you care? Mm-hmm. Walter, yeah, yeah. Um, but well, anyway, that so, was a very smart move. At that point, it was just because I only, only and I would never have done that except that I watched Roseanne Cash's sales go up, and I watched. I mean, Ricky was a platinum. He album took off, every, yeah, right away. Every album. Remember how yeah. good looking he was, and he did that album and that cover voice, and the T-shirt, yeah. and which was a mistake. That oh. wasn't even. You know, that album cover, if you, if you recall, he would just happen to be sitting and he was so bored and it was hot in there and he just took off his shirt while they were waiting to set something up and just took off his shirt and he was just sitting there with that T-shirt on and Paul took a shot of him. No, Alan, Alan, Mes- Alan Mesner took a shot of him and they were like, oh, holy shit, we like this. So they did one setup and that was... And, and I, I'm sure that's all Ricky would allow. I mean, Ricky yeah, was, not. <clears throat> was the most, you know... Yeah. I mean, he, he was like George in that he wouldn't sing damn either, you know. Yeah. And if he didn't was want very, to. You know. Yeah. Yeah, if he, didn't, if he didn't want to do something, Lord knows. Let's talk about at the time we were doing Good Morning America. Oh, good God. It was so funny. Evelyn got him on Ricky good... got so pissy about doing <sighs> press or interviews and... Uh, but we always had such a great time together. Yeah. I loved going out on the road with Ricky and to uh, New York and stuff. But 
he would get these crazy ass ideas and he was mad at us about Good Morning America. Why was he mad? Because he didn't, he, there's something he didn't want to do. He was going to read the whole book or something like that, and he wanted to do. This is when Ricky Van Shelton had a book out children's called, book. a children's book called Quacker. And Evelyn got it where they would let him read the whole book. And now, mind you, it wasn't. On television? It, it wasn't a big book. I mean, this was a very small like book. One word on each page. Right. Again, again, back to the Amazon thing. We could have been there. We had our own publishing company. We published our own book. And he was just, oh my God, he was so mad. And he goes in the dressing room. Evelyn went to talk to them, and Ricky's just, not happy, goes, I'm gonna get me. Everyone walks in and goes, I'm gonna get me a general. When I tell him to do something, that's what I want done. I don't want anybody to question me. And Evelyn goes, eh, what did we do? Said, you know what, let's just, let's just get over. The first time we went to New York, you know, New York's got all this great food. Where did, where did Ricky wanna eat? TGI Fridays. I said, that's like when we went with Ronnie Gilly and he wanted to eat a red, red lobster, lobster in oh New my York. god I'm like there's all kinds of places because they're afraid to try something oh, he, new well he and he always wore his cowboy hat never yeah. the man never took his cowboy hat off and we got out of the limousine and going into MS and into NBC and we're like Ricky where's your cowboy hat you have your baseball hat and he goes look at somebody will steal it on the street <laughs> and I said who's gonna steal your cowboy hat on the street. Nobody's going to steal it. And then we had to go. We had You guys had all kinds of stuff set up for us. And the, the car's right here. And where we had to go was literally across the street, walk across the street and two doors down that way. And I said, Ricky, let's just walk. And Jill, let's just walk over there. And he goes, I'm not walking to New York. No. <laughs> he goes, let's take the car. I said, Ricky, if we take the car, we have to go all the way down here, go back over, get back on that road and come back around. We could walk right there. I don't care. <laughs> and then we got finished up at like three o'clock. We were staying out at East Rutherford, New Jersey, because he wouldn't stay in the city. Had to be back in the city for something else at five. He goes, I want to go change clothes. I said, Where? <laughs> I'm going to the hotel. I said, Ricky, we're not going to make it to East Rutherford, New Jersey, <laughs> and back here by five. Well, I don't care. I'm not going to, uh, we have to go back there. And I'm like, Are you really? <laughs> So we did, and we weren't that late, but phew, yeah. Michael yeah. likes reading contracts, and contracts you know, I mean, talking bad, about how we've worked together in all these different uh, capacities, you know, I've worked with Michael as a manager, Manager. and I was the publicist, I was a publicist. and uh, we've worked on royalties together, he is an accountant, and me as a somehow figure it out. we together. And, and that's right. And all the different friendships of people that were close to all of us, you know, like Tammy. I mean, I'm talking about artists or people. And Laurie. And you opened Laurie. for Laurie. Yeah, opened for Laurie through the years. Susan and Michael used to do a little bit of stand-up comedy. Yep, and so you might not be able to tell from this, but he did. <laughs> yeah, years ago. <laughs> and um, he opened for Laurie in Las Vegas. <laughs> that's right. Reno. We were big up, big Reno. Old, big old Reno. Well, I'm trying to think what else we did. Well... Well, well, Michael and I had a career as duet partners. They did duets. Susan and I were big. That didn't go very well. We didn't have very big on the, the Amazon. No, but remember that. we used to come in every day and we would sing Leanne Womack. Tammy and George. And Tammy and George. So Susan had the ability to, she would sing every word to George and Tammy. Until somebody said, oh, do that George and Tammy thing. And then it would start and Susan would go, did... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Susan, you know every word to this. When you, I know, and I would forget them <laughs> under pressure. Then she would be like, But we she, did. We knew all the Tammy and George songs, and we had all the duet records. And we were always going to see shows, and we would listen to them in the car. And then if somebody else was in the car, I would become traumatized. And Michael would drive us around, you know, and go to see concerts and uh, travel with us with George to do in stores. Still go to shows all the time. They do. It's just that we don't. We just. Oh yeah, (laughs) they go to all the time. Everybody else. They really do. It's not to be. It's not that much different than when we were when we were doing this. Yeah. When did we close Bandit? Two thousand fourteen or fifteen, probably. No, four years ago, five years ago. So it's 220. So I'd say probably 2014. 2015. Yeah. It Ellen was a said, nightmare. Ellen said, <laughs> I'm not paying fucking rent for another month. What do we need this for? Well, I mean, the, the you know, when George died, basically, it was, you know, we weren't eager to start something new with a new artist well, or anything. Well, plus they didn't tell us until everybody else knew. Well, he died nonetheless, and that, you know, we what were we really going to do? So it made sense to, uh, you know, we, we were going to sell the masters, and that was just a nightmare of due diligence and all of that. Oh, and, due uh, diligence, if I ever hear those words again. <laughs> and uh, Michael, you know, because of his great accounting background, you know, was instrumental in us, you know, help, helping me to do the due diligence because God forbid we would hire a professional, you know, and have to pay money for it. They didn't us. even hire people to do the contracts. Evelyn and Michael would just we'd look do at our old own contracts, contracts of other people's and <laughs> And then we'd up. send it to our attorneys and they'd say, okay, we're good, make this change, we could, you know. But, Otherwise, um, it was, you know, tons of money. So yeah, we ended up we ended up selling the label and we closed the office and I we it were was sad it was it you know was sad. because basically the last you know probably you know year or so except for the due diligence aspect right we just went there to hang out every day and we go to lunch we go have a lot of laughs and we gained weight. Nine, we did, because Michael would drive us to all these exotic places for lunch like sweats yeah like exotic <laughs> we loved it. And then there was a place they liked kind of, I'm not big on a lot of natural whatever foods. I'm not big on any of the stuff. And there was a place around the corner. That, was it a Greek place? What was that? That had the panini that never had paninis. Oh, it was Lebanese. <laughs> so they convinced me to go to this, just let's go there. They had paninis. I said, okay, we'll go. <laughs> so we go there and I'm like, oh, thank God they have paninis because this menu, I'm not going to find anything. Hold it was all, yeah, everything I wouldn't eat. A, a, you know, a grape leaf, really? <laughs> no, I'm not eating that. And so I said to the waitress, I said, well, where's the panini menu? Oh, we don't have paninis. I said, oh, you mean like just right now? Because you advertise paninis. She goes, no, we're never going to have them. <laughs> I know. We tricked said, Michael to go to places really? with us. I wouldn't. The one I didn't go to, there was that, was it Sunflower? One of them yeah. was a real oh, vegan was place. Awful. I'm that like, was the organic I'm not going. one. I am not going to something. We did a whole lot of time up at Las Palmas. I can tell you that. Oh, we did. We ate a lot, a lot of Mexican and food. And I can tell you for 12 chips, that's four points <laughs> in the Weight Watchers world. And the salt is free. Uh, but when you eat 30 and 40 and 50 chips, then it kind of adds up a little bit. You know, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And Susan and I was very conveniently located to the Weight Watchers place where we could go yeah, and weigh Michael in. It was convenient. For me, it was a nightmare. You know. You but we were sad them. to close up it the was. office. And, it was uh, fun to go there. You know, well, it was we had all place. these gold records we never knew what to do with. Ugh. 
And I still we didn't still know what don't. to do. Well, when I got one, home and had my house painted, I gave them to the house painter, the, who has them in his house now. And, you know, like, Lori yeah. Morgan, Randy but, Travis, do you I remember, had Ricky Van Do Chum. you remember the 50 years of hits when we were all going to get cards if, if it sold gold? That's we right. And it sold gold. It sold platinum. But we didn't get our cars no, from George. George had promised us, George Jones had promised us cars. If uh, the album yeah. went, you uh, get this if a gold, and I'll buy you each a car. It'd be a good and it was bus. supposed to be the car of our choice or something, or a good it car. A, yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah. what it was. But, Any car, but nonetheless, it then came down to a PT Cruiser. <laughs> because he oh, because he had bought a PT Cruiser. Yeah, and he made some kind of deal with the PT Cruiser people or something, but. He was going to give us a PT Cruiser, which we instead. would have been happy to get anything. I would have been happy to get a kitty car, but we got nothing. <laughs> yeah, because it the, when it went gold, it had hold, sold one hundred and sixty six thousand records. Because which, it was because a it was three discs. Disc thing. It was gold because that's how they changed it. The, Garth had that changed, so the RIA was not not a unit. It was how many discs sold. Well, George was like. Why well, say you? I don't know where you do your math. I know George. Right? You know Bye. George always promises, but they were. You know, they did give us money there. Oh no, for they a were. While. I, listen, I had. I had. There was fun times. I and then George said, "I said, well, I guess no car." He goes, "All well, you can have a ride in mine." Which he well, had a new car every month. Every so month. that was. I'll like tell you, a there was a statement. time when Evelyn and I were running out of money, and we decided to take George and Nancy. Out for dinner to the Sapphire Restaurant, which well, was running out of money in the business, the business part, in of the it, business. not personal. And of course, yes. I was always nervous about running out of money. Well, we needed, to, we wanted to fund. This was when we ended the uh, joint venture with RCA, and we needed to fund a project. So we didn't really have the money to do right. that. And George, being the superstar that he was, had and the fl- money. So flying we- in Learjets to every show. I know, so we took him to a Sapphire Restaurant for dinner. And, you know, we're, we mentioned, well, maybe you could lend us, you know, $15,000. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money. Nothing. I think that we maybe were putting up money, too. I think we wanted, like, twenty-five right. grand from him. I mean, it wasn't a huge amount was of money. Record. Suddenly, I heard yeah. George say to Nancy, Hon, what did we get into? We've got to yeah. get out of here. <laughs> what did we get into? Well, damn, honey, what do what, you what, want that money for? we got to get out of here. <laughs> and no matter that. what we were doing, I don't care what time it was. I, I got to get home for uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> oh, we got to beat that traffic now. I got to see that. Knew what traffic was like now. And he would sit. He would literally sit and watch Wheel of Fortune. He could. He would get those puzzles in no time at all. And then didn't he do a celebrity Wheel of Fortune or yeah, something? Yeah, he loved Wheel of Fortune. But meanwhile, he had his own uh, like uh, TV room off of his bedroom. It was his, like a sunroom. And he had like these grand chairs in there, like theater kind of oh chairs. God. And he would have the TV on. And if he didn't like the way the light was hitting the TV or whatever, he would call his Scott. his bus, bus driver, driver out, who, who was lived, out at his who, house, who lived out had a, had a house out on the property, to come and make him pick him up in the, in chair, the chair and move him. and move it. <laughs> They would move like the with chair. a housekeeper or something while he was sitting in it. Remember yeah. verbally? They would slide he paid it. Her yeah. too much. That's what I said. Don't you remember how <laughs> mad he was? He goes, "I'll bet you Nancy's paying these people five dollars an hour." Out That's here. right. And then and I he said, would have everything. Probably is. He got know. a new car every month. He would. 
He truly got that. I've never seen anybody buy more new cars than that. That was the best. And whatever car he had, that's the best damn car I've ever owned. I'm not going to own another car. It's the last car I'm going to own. I'm saying, all right, okay, whatever. Whatever. You go right ahead. He did have. I said he could have just given us one of those. I no, know, no. but he wouldn't because they were like used BMWs. I had taken a golf cart. He had like six oh, had golf, golf carts. And they all had serious radio in them. <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the advantages, you know, in terms of, of our friendship is in, and working together is that Michael has always gotten along with a lot of the people that Susan and I have worked with independently and together. You know, Randy, Travis was probably most comfortable with Michael over you know, anybody around in terms of... Lori, too. And Lori, Lori yeah, you know, know. Oh, I mean, yeah. big experiences. And, and Willie, because of his, Brandy. because of Michael's experience at the label before he became the manager, you knew so many artists and you had been around, you know, so many legends as part of a label deal. We're, yes, which and, is really you know, cool. the artists all had a huge comfort level with you. I did. I, you know, I look back at my life. I had a great life. I mean, I really did. We all did. I mean, it was. We all did. It was really. You look at the things I was the able to do we had, in my life. The traveling yeah. we did. I mean, you can go to the White House, or you can go to the White House like we went to the White House, which yeah. is completely different than going for a tour of the White House. I you know? know. We all went to the White House two, three times. I mean, that's the thing. There's nothing like seeing the world with a star. Oh, no. I mean, oh, I know. As nothing. terrible because as that you sounds. Don't have, well, because you don't have to wait. Yeah, and everybody right. treats you like, you know, when you're with the star, you're treated specially. Yeah. We could all go to the table and eat shrimp with Aretha. <laughs> she was at the White House whenever I was there for Who? any event. She was always there at the shrimp day. Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. <laughs> was wonderful. We're supposed Thank to you. be thanking Michael. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Campbell, for Thank being you on the for show and going here. down memory lane with us. Memory lane. That's right. I, I mean, it's like 30 years at least. 30, of, it is 30. Uh, we'll never have those days again. And and no one else will in the music years. business either. Wow. No, but at least the three of us got to uh, see the world with superstars. We did. It was a good way to see we it. We did. Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up and lighten up. Share and tell your friends then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a uh, you know word of mouth thing because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Joel Beaver. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Schaefer's he is also our engineer and editor.